0: Hey everybody, uh, Justin from Basically Biblical. So we've got a video today, um, I'm going to be reacting to something. It's going to be, I think, pretty interesting. It's going to be something a little bit different than what we've seen before on the channel. We've done some videos where we've kind of reacted some things in um, in culture. This is going to be different. I actually saw this a couple weeks ago on another channel. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Isaiah Salivar. And he actually was was reacting to this, and it really caught my attention. Um, obviously, and once we get into it, you guys will see this is uh, kind of parody, um, more of a staged type thing. But it's it's an interview with Lucifer, and there's some pieces in it that really stand out. And even though it is kind of a, a parody. Um, I think there's a lot that we can get from it, and there's a lot of responses and things that that are said in it that are really just really hitting the hammer, the nail on the head uh, with kind of what we have in culture and society today. I think it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial. It'll be um, good to be able to see and kind of uh, react to you, talk through. And then once we're done, I actually have two verses we're going to look at that I think really um, tie everything all together that we can we can take and kind of do something a little bit more with this. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump straight into it. And I will also link this video in the video description. That way um, anyone that's interested in it, you can go watch the original video. It's, uh, it's really good. I would say it's definitely... Definitely worth the, the watch. It's only about 12 minutes long. So here we go. Whew.
1: Whoa. Lucifer in the flesh. Do you know how many journalists would kill? Wait, you probably do. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to agreeing to this interview because I know you are a very, very busy person. What would you attribute to your success and popularity?
2: Oh, that's easy. Every generation is the same. I appeal to their lust and ego. I offer all the sex, wealth, and fame a person could want. Do as thou wilt has been my campaign slogan from the start. And my campaign platform hasn't changed either.
0: So that's, uh, I think, something that a lot of people don't get, they don't think about. Um, He says that do what thou wilt has been his campaign slogan from the start Um, you know a lot of people think of when they hear the word Satanist they think of uh, you know wearing a lot of black and like sacrificing and stuff like this and honestly the root of a lot or I'd really say even all of it is not even necessarily stuff like that it's just follow whatever you want to do follow your heart do whatever you want to do that's what the really the the heart of this is the heart of of uh, satanism but as christians you know the whole point of of our life is to not do whatever we want is to do whatever god's will is Um, regardless of of what we want or what it means for us or what it means for others Um, you know sacrifice is a a very normal part of a uh, relationship and a life dedicated to to Jesus that's why Paul says that we need to um, die to ourselves daily he dies to himself daily Um, but that's that's important that's a, a really big thing just the idea of you're following your heart, do whatever you want, um, is the, the worst advice anyone can give you. But that's what a lot of sin is rooted in, selfishness.
2: I run on the same three issues every generation. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life.
1: Okay, okay. When you say lust of the flesh, what exactly do you mean?
2: Come on now, what do I mean? Isn't it obvious? I just use human's own innate physical desires against them. And since sexual desire seems to be the most powerful, I usually run with that. Now, I didn't create sex, but I must say I've done a superb job at perverting it. Take Pornadi.
0: I will say too, I like, uh, um, so I've been doing a lot of stuff recently looking at kind of eschatology and times views. And you'll see it across the bottom if you're familiar with in-time stuff at all. Um, if you are a uh, pre-millennial, you'll see some of these, these things running across the bottom as like a, a ticker. And it it looks like they're they're announcing these world events that are going along with, with the pre-millennial uh, eschatological view. Uh, it's kind of uh, just a, a little touch he threw in there. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as, as you're listening, uh, you can see through, or if you go back through and watch later, you can watch those and kind of see what they say.
1: The second thing you had mentioned, I believe, you said lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Can you elaborate?
2: Humans are never satisfied. You always crave more, bigger house, bigger car, more money, more power, the list goes on and on. I just take their natural ambitious desire Pervert it and use it against them for their own destruction. My plan is to allow them to never be content As long as I can keep them craving what others have I can depend on them to argue, fight, even kill to get it Humans are so easily tricked into jealousy and you know what they say Jealousy is as cruel as the grave
1: Yes, I have heard that before uh, so this is another
0: thing too I think a a big focus uh, for the Christian life is learning to be gracious uh, gratitude contentment um, there's a lot of things that you're able to kind of suffer through or, or get through anyways just from Really being content with what you have, and not falling into the trap of uh, keeping up with the Joneses, per se. And um, that's something that, if if you can get that down, and you can learn to be content. And this is what um, you know Paul talks about in Philippi- Philippians, and this is a, a verse that's frequently frequently used out of context. Uh, Philippians four thirteen. We discussed this a little bit in, the, I think, the first episode we did. But what Paul is talking about here is the fact that he can persevere through any situation because he knows that God is with him. Um, so he's gone through times of having a lot. He's gone through times of having a little. He's gone through times of being free, being able to go around and do whatever he wants. And he's also gone through times of... Uh, being in prison and being chained to guards and chained to the wall and not being able to leave and um, he knows that no matter what situation he finds himself in he can persevere through it because he has God and he is the holy spirit living inside of him and so that is something I think a lot of Christians don't get um, and especially in, in America, um, we're really, really bad of having this mindset that, well, I'm, I'm a Christian and God, or, you know, there's the, the uh, name it and claim it prosperity gospel, or I've, I've heard it called the blab it and grab it, which I think is more accurate. But um, the whole idea that as a Christian, we, we're going to have a smooth sailing. We're going to be able to. I mean, we're going to be able to buy the big house and the nice car and um, everything we want. And that's historically that's not what it's been like for Christians. Now, Christians in America are very, very blessed. We are able to uh, prosper. And we are able to prosper while wearing our our faith on our sleeve, and not to worry about that. But as a Christian, you're not called to necessarily prosper financially um, you're not called to necessarily really prosper in any way it um, doesn't mean that that won't happen I know there are some Christians that I, I am aware of that have very very successful businesses or successful ministries and um, you know, if, if God decides to bless them with that that is God Um It is not my place to judge. It is not my place to uh, try to condemn. It is not my place to make assertions or uh, assessments on on whether or not they should have it or whether or not they're spending their money correctly or wisely or anything like that. Um, So that is neither here nor there. Um, As Christians, if we can get to where we can be content with what we have and trust God to... Supply all of our needs um, and that is needs and not always have to have everything else super nice um, focus on even using the stuff that you do have to spread the gospel Um, I think kind of changing your mindset on that can actually be really really beneficial and can again help with a lot of areas where um, you can see sin creep in
1: the last thing you had mentioned was, I believe, pride of life. Now, how does this fit into your campaign platform?
2: Humans are always on a quest for knowledge. I tricked the first humans to seek carnal knowledge over godly wisdom and it's worked like a charm every generation since. With more knowledge comes more pride. And, you know, pride is my specialty. And since humans don't like to keep God in their wisdom, I'm able to seduce them with all types of things to help puff up their ego. Lately, fame has been my biggest seller. Who doesn't like attention and feeling more important than the next person? Once I make them famous, I can really use them to promote my agenda. With their help, I've convinced half of the world to not only accept sin, but to celebrate it. Do you know what has been my most...
0: We're in the month of June... Talking about celebrating sin.
2: Most enjoyable pride campaign to date? We're in June.
1: No, what? Well, my gay
2: pride campaign, of course. We're in June. Not only do I get the chance to promote your own self destruction, I get to use God's logo, the rainbow, to do it. Love is love, right?
0: <laughs> we talked about this a little bit in the when we reacted to the Calvin Robinson video if uh, you've not seen that or not familiar with uh, what went on there is with the Anglican church Um, they were voting to um, allow same sex marriage in the church and he was speaking against it and he um, he said it had been quoted several times there that day already that not love is love but God is love um, and so we can't deny that love and he said yes God is love you're right but he gets to set the terms not us um, and I think our our culture our society has done a really bad job of conflating sex and love and that's not necessarily the same um, but this kind of gets to a, a, a deeper issue too as far as you know, talking about the gay pride and things like that um, and we're being in June um, it's just a lot of finding your identity in things that you really shouldn't things that are fleeting things that don't have real substance to it um, as Christians we're to find our identity in Christ uh, again, ties into the uh, die-to-yourself daily, uh, sacrifice your flesh. And you're, you're finding your identity in Christ and, and who um, Jesus says we are. Um, you want to hand me that top book there. I'm actually going through this uh, right now. It's a 40-day devotional. Um, it's from Sons and Daughters, um, which is, I believe they are the sons and daughters and maybe son and daughter-in-laws for, um, John Bevere. But I really like a lot of John Bevere stuff. Um, but this has actually been really good. I wasn't sure with this and actually when I bought it, I actually thought it was John Bevere doing the devotional. So I was kind (sighs) of... kind of disappointed when i got it and it wasn't um but i will say so far from going through it i'm only i think i'm like 10 days in but so far from going through it it's been really good it's been um, impactful even in my life and that's what it's about is kind of finding your identity through through god and so they look at one aspect of of god so we know god is this and so we are this and it's not the same thing it's not a one-to-one comparison um, because we're not God. You know, there are people that, um, the the guy that wrote the the Passion Translation, um, Brian Simmons, he he actually has been, I've heard him say, anything that can be said about Jesus can be said about us, and that's not true. Um, that's wildly not true. But there are things that, and this kind of goes back, I mean, you can see this in, in the fruit of the Spirit too, but there are things that, we know about God and his character, that we should be able to see a, an aspect of that or a, a shadow of that, if you will, in our character and how we are and how we act and how we treat people and how we view ourselves and, and things like that too. Um, so that's why it's important as a Christian to really find your identity in Christ. Uh, Andreas, um, the, he was on the, the first episode that we did um, he was the, the worship pastor at our previous church, um, and he is actually working on an identity study. He's, he's building it himself from scratch. And I've talked to him a little bit about maybe trying to work together to get some content out kind of based around that. Um, if, if he ends up getting something together, that would be, I think, really interesting to go through um, and, and kind of do some stuff together with that. But identity is a big thing. Um, and, and where you find your identity is going to have massive impact on your life.
2: My plan not only prevents you worthless humans from reproducing, it distorts the gender roles and allows me to bring all types of chaos and confusion upon your pathetic societies. it has been so successful, I've got men convinced they're women. And women convinced they're men. And some convinced they are no gender at all. And I've got two more pride initiative campaigns I'd like to introduce in the near future.
1: Hmm. Really? I'm guessing you probably want me to ask you what they are, right?
2: Well, first, it's abortion pride. Now, I think we can pull this off. Society is definitely ready for it. I've enlisted to help a Planned Parenthood to work with marketing and promotions.
0: So, you know, Planned Parenthood was actually initially placed strategically in black neighborhoods because Margaret Sanger started it because she wanted to decrease the black population so if you're concerned with black lives then uh, abortion is something that you should fight there are actually more black babies aborted in New York every year than are born every single year there are more black babies killed in New York than there are born and that is terrible.
2: And all we'll have to do is silence the so-called abolitionists and pro-lifers, because the rest of the church doesn't seem to care. And second is pedophilia.
0: That's another two. Um, so I recently watched. Um, oh, um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, well, it's, it's Dr. Michael Brown. He had somebody on, um, but they were talking about. Uh, abortion and they are quoted somebody I don't remember who it was but this guy said that if every Christian who says that they are against abortion would actually stand up and, and make a stance against it it would be gone like today um, he's saying you know if the, I think the exact quote is that there should be a sign in the front of every Planned Parenthood that says open with permission from the local church and there's a lot of people that do um, outreaches and stuff and not like yelling and demonizing women that are going in and stuff like that but trying to help offering to um, you know hey I'll, I can I can help with with diapers or formula or um, you know medical costs or even um, you know, Apologia Studios does this. Uh, they they actually have a campaign. I think it's called End Abortion Now. And even uh, Jeff Durbin, the, I think he's the lead pastor there, lead elder at their church. Um, him and his wife actually, they adopted a baby that was going to be aborted. Um, opened up their home. Actually thinking that there were going to be... S- Severe medical issues with this baby, um, and I mean that's that's that is how Christians should be acting in this. Every single Christian, that is what we should be doing, and that comes back to sacrifice, um, not living for ourselves and what we want.
2: Pride. Now, society might not be ready for this one just yet, so we'll hope. He said
0: here, uh, the the third one he's going to do, um, the pride campaign, is pedophilia pride. And I remember, um, it was a few years back, actually, there was a push for relabeling that as MAP. Um, so for minor attracted person. And they were trying to push it to be a an acceptable... Um, sexual orientation. Um, and that's, that's where we're getting to in the country.
1: Okay, okay. I'm happy you said that. It seems as if you promote your agenda differently to different, to different ethnicities. Uh, if so, why?
2: Of course, I'd be a fool not to. Take black people for instance. As a people, they're super spiritual. So I can't really convince them that there is no God. What I have been able to do as of late is convince him that he's not the God of the Bible. Now, I've been real successful at promoting black consciousness and Islam in their communities.
1: I'm so happy you mentioned black people. So
0: that is another thing. I'm actually, um, so I'm, I know I've announced this a while back. I am working on the the Trinity, um, kind of walking through it. It's going to be here very, very shortly. I'm, I'm finally getting all my notes kind of compiled and put together. Um, but that's one of the big sticking points. Most, all the other Abrahamic faiths, um, so Judaism, Islam, um, and there's even other... Um, non-Abrahamic faiths. They would they would call themselves Christian, but they're not Christian. Um, so things like Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism, um, they all believe that Jesus lived, his real person. Um, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness even believe in him being a, a higher power to some extent. But they deny the real deity of Jesus and that is something that it's it's outlined in the Bible clearly Um, and I'll walk through that when I I do the the Trinity um, breakdown but just believing in Jesus isn't enough you have to believe in who he actually was you have to acknowledge who he actually was not just a person not just a nice person not just a prophet um, but he was god incarnate um, and that's you know satan doesn't have to, to get people to worship him he just has to get people to not worship god
2: another reason i target black people is because they're strong mentally and physically if black men were that, ever find their identity in Christ, I'd be in trouble. So I try my best to destroy the black family structure and keep black men away from his family and the church. Drugs and incarceration are a couple of my more popular means. Without the head of the household present, I can become the head and influence the children without too much resistance.
0: The number one factor for people that end up incarcerated is not their ethnicity it's not their race it's not their socioeconomic status the number one factor is growing up in a house without a father in the house um, now likewise that is the percentage of um, children that are or chi- percentage of households that do not have a father present in the house and this is, pure statistics, is much higher in the African American community than it is in any other race. Um, I do think that is a targeted attempt from Satan. It's much easier for him to get in and attack families and stir up stuff like this if there's not a father in the house present. There are... There are certain things that a father is needed to do that a mother can't do. And likewise, there are things that a mother is needed for that a father can't really do. Um, You need both parents in the house, and that flies in the face of everything that our culture and society want to push now. But that is truth, and that is backed up statistically. Um, Children are better off in a household with both a mother and a father. and. Um, that's something I want to maybe do something on. Um, kind of the whole just idea of manhood and stepping up and um, being there, being present, um, even if you don't actually have kids, trying to find a way that you can pour into uh, the next generation. But.
1: Okay. What my question is: What role, if any, does your administration play in this black-on-black crime epidemic? <laughs>
2: Well, as great as my administration is, we can't take all the credit for this. Black people help us tremendously. By aborting so many of their babies, they allow us to bring death to their communities.
0: More babies aborted every year, black babies in New York than there are born. Let's say it again.
2: As the Bible says, they sow the wind and the reap a whirlwind.
1: Mm. We're implementing all of these policies Do you ever face any resistance or pushback? And if so, from who?
2: One group in particular try to oppose every policy I try to implement. I would be so much further along in my agenda if it wasn't for them.
1: Really? So what group is that?
2: Those pesky born-again Jesus followers. They're a real thorn in my side. Every generation, they come together and try to dismantle one of my signature policies. Now I've convinced half of the world that Jesus didn't exist and the other half that he wasn't divine, but I can't seem to convince them. They seem hell-bent on telling everybody about him and spreading his message. Some of me believe he's coming to unseat me in this generation. (laughs) Crazy, huh? I'll tell you, those idiots are really messing with my legacy.
1: So Lucifer, how does that make you feel when uh, us idiots say that Jesus possibly could be coming back in this generation to unseat you?
2: Y'all been saying that for centuries. I just use it as motivation to get as much of my agenda pushed through and deceive as many people as possible before he returns. I think I've done pretty well. My record speaks for itself. About 150,000 people die each day, and most of them don't know Jesus.
0: So that's a staggering number if you think about Um We talked in, uh, I think it was the last social hour we did, um, me and Aubrey discussed the fact that, you know, praying that. Uh, God would help us see other people the way he sees them. Um, Praying that God would break our heart for what breaks his. And thinking about the fact that 150,000 people die every single day. And many of them don't know Jesus. Many of them are not going to go to heaven. is um, staggering to, to think about. And we need to be doing more, getting out and doing more.
2: I'd like to take this moment and give a special thank you to two groups of people. First, I want to say thank you to all my followers. You are the hands and feet of my administration, and we could do nothing without you. Keep up the good work, spread my message. And second, I'd like to say thank you to the divided church. I love the way you argue and use your passions to fight amongst each other. Keep up the good work. There's really no rush to tell people about Jesus. You all have plenty of time.
0: That is kind of what I was trying to hit at, too. Um, Back to my... Okay. Um, That's a little what I was trying to hit at, too. Just the whole idea that... uh, we, so there's there's kind of a fine line with some of this stuff. Um, we want to make sure that we're taking seriously the things that we're supposed to be taking serious. There are some things that we can get really caught up in that really, we probably shouldn't be as caught up in you know i was i said i've been i've been doing kind of more of a study into some eschatology and things like that and one person I listened to said one of the biggest drawbacks with a, a lot of people in the premillennial view is to get so hung up on excuse me trying to figure out when jesus is coming back Trying to put a date to it, or trying to figure out what the mark of the beast is going to be, or who the antichrist is, and all these things that we're not going to be able to figure out. Um, first of all, we don't even know for sure if the premillennial view is correct. It's very possible that it is, but there's also some some flaws in it that don't seem to add up. Um, it, it could be that the premillennial view isn't right, and so we're not only wasting time on stuff that really shouldn't be a major, but maybe stuff that's not even going to happen. Um, and this is where I want to tie in a couple of scriptures. So, the first one I want to throw out there um, as a Christian how should we be acting despite what we think about in times, despite of you know, how we think people are going to react or whatever. Here, Bible Gateway, great resource. Um, It says here, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Um, And the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, That's the Great Commission. That's what we're supposed to do. Regardless of what we think is coming, or how quickly we think it's coming, or what it's going to look like, we're not called to necessarily figure all that out. And I'm not demonizing people trying to to study some of this stuff. I'm I'm currently studying some of this stuff. I'm trying to figure out exactly where I land on this. And this is just kind of, I'm going through all these things that I've kind of hold, held on to as beliefs since I was younger. I grew up in church. There's a lot of things I've held on to just because that's what everyone else held on to. Or that's what certain people I know held on to. And so I'm really digging in on my for myself and trying to figure out where I really stand on these things but if you're doing that if you're doing that instead of um, spending time reaching people spending time talking with people, building relationships, sharing the gospel then that is that is an issue and that is not how we're supposed to handle these things that's not how we're supposed to treat the gospel or our studies or anything like that um, again there's nothing wrong in and of itself studying these things but we have to make sure that we are focus our main focus needs to be on the Great Commission which is what I had just read now the second thing I want to talk about and this ties in really well with um, the idea that this is quote-unquote pride month and all, I mean everything that we have kind of going on now and just as Christians what can we expect and I think it's pretty common for a lot of people to try and take a uh, a seeker-friendly approach there's a church up where we lived previously that I would very much consider a seeker-friendly church. Um, I, I I knew people personally who were actively living in um, pretty blatant sin, and were attending this church, and I I know from personal conversation with them there was no no conviction on them whatsoever that what they were doing was sin um, and it it's there are things that are very much laid out very clearly in scripture that it is sin and so I think that is a, a very big sign that you may be in a seeker friendly church um, but this church then that's not the only reason I, I'm fairly familiar with this church and it was very very seeker friendly but A problem with that is if you're focused so much on being seeker-friendly, then you're going to get away from the gospel message, or you could possibly get away from the gospel message. Uh, I know it's not a popular idea, but we need to look at what Jesus actually said about this. Um, So, next verses I want to look at, and this will kind of wrap it all up. But, John 15, verses 18 through 19 said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, what is Jesus saying? It's, he's saying pretty clearly what it says. That people that are in the world are not going to like us because of Jesus. Um, we shared a, a thing a little while back. I think it was last week or the week before on the, um, the Facebook page and maybe Instagram too. But it was um, people may hate you because of Jesus, but they shouldn't hate Jesus because of you. There's a really a realization there that as Christians we need to kind of be okay with um jesus knew his message was not going to be popular with a lot of people peter knew paul knew um really anybody we see in the new testament um timothy i'm sure any of the what any of the church leaders or um Anybody that was, that was promoting this message, they knew it wasn't going to be popular. Um, but that's okay. Uh, the truth oftentimes is not popular. And we're not called to preach the popular message. We're not called to say things that just tickle people's ears and make them feel good and all warm and fuzzy on the inside. So that way they, they give a little extra money because... They felt really good after the Sunday sermon, and then they go home and do exactly what they were doing before. Um, we are called to preach the truth. We are called to unapologetically share the gospel. And part of sharing the gospel is that people need to repent, turn of their sins, and follow Jesus hey everybody i hope you enjoyed that video we release new content every week twice a week once on tuesday and once on thursday so don't forget to like and subscribe so you will always see the newest content we have coming out if you want to you can check out a playlist that's down here and it'll take you into another video of ours that we think you're probably gonna enjoy thanks god bless